What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are excited that you are here to listen to the golden nuggets that Judge Robert Watson shares with us today. He is a judge in the 11th Judicial Circuit of Florida for Miami-Dade County in the Criminal Division. What a fantastic story. What a fantastic person that Judge Watson is. He is a true leader in our community, and he is running for re-election. Again, voting will happen in August. Take a look at the show notes. We included the link of where you can find his website. But besides that, what a fantastic story and episode this was. Make sure to tune in all the way until the end to catch all the golden nuggets that he shares with us. Let's get it. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. Today, we are joined by Judge Watson, Robert Watson, and it's the first time we have a judge here on the podcast, so we're excited, hopefully not the last, and we're honored to be joined by Judge Watson today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking with you both today. And in true mindset fashion, before we get to the meat of the questions and and dive into it, we have to pass the warm-up question round, which is always a a very interesting part of of this recording. So the first one, Judge Watson, is if you could add anyone to Mount Rushmore, who would it be and why? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, So even though all of the people on Mount Rushmore currently were U.S. presidents, uh, Washington, Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt um, and Abraham Lincoln. I I would add Martin Luther King Jr. because uh, I think he had as much influence as many U.S. presidents, obviously did so much to move this country uh, closer to its promise of equality for all and making us more of a perfect union. So I think he would be a great uh, contribution to add there, particularly um, in this day and age when we've seen a lot of of kind of violent protest, the fact that he always emphasized peaceful protest, nonviolent means to to achieve the ends that he was seeking. So that would be my nomination for adding someone to Mount Rushmore. That's that's a great that's a great idea, and I love that. And I think again, it's so appropriate given the times that we're currently in. I actually had the pleasure of uh, going to Atlanta. Um, in December, and I went to the uh, Museum of Civil Rights and uh, Human Rights, I think is, is the name, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and they had a whole installation of uh, what it was like to be in those times and hearing, you know, the voice of Dr. Uh, Dr. King, and I thought it was really, really impressive, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, we didn't have, uh, you know, we, we weren't alive in those times to actually see and hear the voice. You even see the recaps of Dr. King and all the influence that he made. But we definitely see, you know, the ripple effects that he's been able to impact on this country. And I love this question so much. And I don't remember who it was that we had on the podcast. And they actually said that they have a Mount Rushmore almost of like in their head, right? In like a board of directors that they kind of follow uh, that they always like, you know, if they're ready to make a decision, they're like, hey, you know, should I make this decision? They're always putting those types of people on the pedestal to see. Um, and I know this question isn't on our warm up list, but I wanted to ask you, Judge, is there someone particular besides Dr. King that you have in your board of directors in your mind that you usually go to and, and kind of seek advice for um, in your life whenever it comes to making uh, decisions? Yeah, I mean, in, ter- in terms of like, you know, well-known historical figures, a couple come to mind. Number one would be uh, Ronald Reagan. So he was the U.S. president for a lot of my um, formative years. And I also happened to grow up in uh, 
the city where his presidential library is, Simi Valley, out in California, uh, in, in the LA suburbs. So he was very influential in my life. And I think what I take away from him was just the positive, um, positive attitude about this country and how this country has stood in as an example and a beacon for so many people around the world. But what comes with that is the responsibility you know, to ensure that we continue to improve, continue to get better so we can continue you know, being a model for so many other people. So I think just in terms of, of that work ethic and, and having a positive attitude, that's someone that I keep in mind. And then the other one is um, the late Senator John McCain, um, obviously someone who sacrificed a lot for this country, being a prisoner of war, and always always lived by his principles, um, crossed party lines, looked for ways to work just to achieve um, progress for this country. Um, and so he's someone I actually had uh, the pleasure of meeting a couple of times here in Miami when he was running for president. And um, and I think he, he's someone um, that a lot of people you know, follow as a as an example of um, uh, extremely um, positive public service. Yeah, absolutely. Those two are, are phenomenal. I think a lot of come to mind when I think of that question, and I always you know think of that, and I always love to ask that question because it's so interesting to see what people have to say. Um, but without further ado, we got real deep in the first five minutes of this episode, but we'll move on to the next uh, question of this lightning round. This one is also really interesting and I can't wait to hear what you got to say. Um, but have you ever completed anything on your bucket list? Yeah, so there are a couple things I've already done a lot, a lot more things to do. One thing I've done already is to go skydiving. Um, I did that actually here in the Keys a couple of years ago when one of my brothers came to visit. So that was, uh, it was really exciting. It was very scary, like sitting with my legs dangling off the side of the, the airplane before I jumped. But it was, yeah. once I jumped, and then especially once the parachute opened up, then I could just enjoy the, the ride down to the ground. So uh, that was one thing I did. The second thing I've done is um, I actually went to uh, experience Carnival in Brazil um, a few years ago. So that was that was a tremendous experience. I think that the, the carnival in Brazil is probably like nowhere else. So that was a great, great party and great uh, you know exposure just to Brazilian culture and music. Yeah, Gabe's from Brazil. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am Brazilian. My my both my parents were born and raised in Brazil. Moved here thirty years ago. Um, I was born in Miami, but Portuguese was my first language. I haven't had the pleasure yet of experiencing Carnival in, in, in Rio de Janeiro, but I've been to Rio before. And that's one of the things that I am uh, very you know, excited to experience one day. But uh, I hear it's phenomenal. Wow, wow, wow. Então fala português. Fala português. Fala conversar. So, Judge Watson, how how is it skydiving? Is it actually as scary as it looks? or Because some people are, are terrified of it after they go through it, and some people say, oh, it's no big deal. What was your take um, I mean, now that I've done it, I actually would do it again. Um, but, I mean, it is a little, yeah, I mean, yeah, I did feel scared. I'm sure I would feel scared again because you go up in kind of kind of small plane and yeah. then once that door's opened up and you're sitting you know you're just sitting there on the side you know i mean i went in tandem so i had like an instructor uh -huh. um 
you know, with me, but, right, right. And then, but I mean, it's still scary when you just like <laughs> just jump out and you're like free falling for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, well, I haven't gotten to that yet. I'm I'm trying to overcome my fear of heights, and hopefully, I'll do it. I'll do it soon. <laughs> I, I gotta do it for maybe we can we can talk about it next time I do it. But uh, yeah, that that does it for our lightning round of warm up questions. That was fun. Now let's get to know you a little bit more. So just tell us about what a normal day looks like for you. Again, this is the first time we have any kind of judge on the podcast. I know our, our listeners are excited to hear uh, what a day looks like for you. How how is is there a lot going on? Is there slow days? fast days what does it look like for you yeah so so there there's kind of some regularity each day is a little bit different but so i've been a judge for three years uh i'm currently on the circuit court bench which is which is the main trial court level here in the state of florida um and i have been assigned to the criminal division so um so the criminal division is very busy we see everything from say possession of cocaine to homicides um, and for a county of almost 3 million people, there are just over 20 circuit court um, criminal judges. So I have like 700 open cases right now. Some of my colleagues have 800, 900. And so it's really, it's really kind of like drinking, uh, you know, water from a fire hose. Like you're just constantly being bombarded and, and just kind of juggling to, put out fires as they as they break out um but in terms of like the regular day um so i I just like start off my day with a couple cups of coffee at home to really get some caffeine in my system watch maybe a little bit of local national news to know what's happening in the world and then i start my morning calendar every day at 9 a.m the morning calendar is very regular things like when the prosecutors announce uh, what charges they filed against defendants, and then the defendants' uh, attorneys enter a not guilty plea, and then I set the case for a date for like a trial several months out. Then we have motions to um, people who might be in custody um, asked to be released on a monetary bond, on a GPS monitor, something of that nature. So we get a wide variety of things on the morning calendar. People asking to terminate their probation early people who want property returned, um, things of that nature. The, that morning calendar usually goes from 9 o'clock until 11, 11.30, 12. Then uh, we take a lunch break. Oftentimes there are events at lunch, um, like today being with you all, um, but other days different bar organizations have um, different uh, lunchtime events with panelists. Um, so that's a chance to interact with lawyers and other judges. Some days I have lunch with my colleagues and that's a great opportunity to stay connected and kind of talk about different things that we're all seeing and, um, and you know, help each other out, share our perspectives. And then some days I'll have lunch with attorneys or uh, law students, maybe try to do some mentoring. So, um, so that's kind of the lunchtime. Then in the afternoon, there are really three things that happen. One, I prepare for the next day. So that morning calendar, many of the things I know ahead of time, what's going to be on the next day's morning calendar. I try to read motions ahead of time so that I'm aware of what the issue is and it makes the morning calendar more efficient for everyone. Uh, in addition to prepping for the next day, there are often administrative tasks um, to take care of um, and um and so that pretty much fills up the afternoon now 
there are many days like today when there are hearings, there are um, longer hearings that I set for the afternoon. So today I have a sentencing at one o'clock where I have to hear arguments from both sides and then impose a sentence on a defendant. Um, and then um, there's another hearing I have after that, which is what we call an evidentiary hearing. When the lawyers are coming in, they're, they're having witnesses testify about particular issues. Um, and then I have to make a decision. The other thing that happens in the afternoon some weeks is that if we're in a jury trial, that morning calendar, I keep it short and it will only go until about 10 o'clock. And then we'll be hearing from witnesses from 10 o'clock until about lunchtime. And then we come back in the afternoon and just keep hearing from witnesses um, as long as we're in trial. So, so the afternoons vary from day to day, week to week, but all, always filled with something. And then, um, and then in the evening, there are often um, other events, uh, different bar organizations or other community organizations have events and judges are invited to a wide variety of events, which is a good way to you know, stay connected with not only the legal community, but also the greater community that we serve. So um, there, there may be events from uh, a chamber of commerce, a bar organization, uh, some kind of a charity, maybe raising you know, money to help children who have certain needs, something of that nature. So it's, um, it's a pretty full schedule. It's certainly not like nine to five. We're pretty much kind of always, always on duty, so to speak. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm, I'm gathering from what you're telling me. You got a jam-packed <laughs> uh, schedule. But let me ask you, look, Judge, I've seen Law & Order, okay? I've seen the way they, they treat those judges. I see the way, like, I've never thought anyone really, you know, seeks out to be a judge. What, what about being a judge inspired you? Is this something that you wanted to do early on in life or is this something that you kind of stumbled upon? But how did that transition happen? What inspired you to be in the position that you are in today? Yeah, that's a great question because I've heard some, some judges speak and some people sort of had the goal from a very early age. So that, that was not my case. I was interested in, in law and in government from, a, from an early age, like junior high school. And then I competed in speech and debate. I really liked the advocacy. Um, so I always wanted to be a lawyer. But it wasn't until I had been a lawyer for maybe about 10 years that, um, that I started to think about the possibility of becoming a judge. And what really, what really um, got me thinking about that was I was in private practice for a few years. Um, so I came to Miami directly out of law school in 2003. Um, my entire legal career has been here in Miami. So I was at a couple of law firms and got into court fairly regularly, but not every day. But um, in 2011, I was fortunate enough to um, to be to become a federal prosecutor and assistant United States attorney here in Miami. And as an AUSA, I was in court pretty much every single day before a variety, like pretty much all the judges, federal judges in Miami. And just that experience of being in court so much and seeing the work that judges do started me thinking that, you know, that that would be something that I think I would find rewarding there would be a way to give back to the community, a different form of public service. And also that it was something, you know, that I thought I might be able to do well. 
So it kind of, the idea was kind of rattling around in my mind for a while. Um, and finally, I decided to apply in 2019 um, to become a state court judge. And so I went through that, the whole process and was appointed um, by the governor back in early 2019. So that's, that's what started me on this, um, on this path. Well, you have a very, very um, successful record and you have a lot of things that you're, that I can clearly see you're very proud of. And every time I, I bring you up in conversation at the LBA event that I was at last week, everybody always has great things to say about you. And you're very well known in the community and very successful as a judge. And it's only been a few years. And I can only imagine what you have left in your career. I, I you know, is, is there a person maybe that you can attribute a lot of your success to or somebody who has had a, a tremendous impact on you as a leader? Yeah, so I would say, um, I mean, I would say from very early on that, um, and I owe so much to my mother for mm. um, just the way that, that I was raised. And at the time, I mean, at the time, like, I didn't know anything different, right? So only, like, later in life, looking back, do I realize um, just how important um, her support was, just, you know, in terms of sacrificing herself for me and my brother's. To sort of make sure that we could we had everything that we needed to succeed academically and with our activities and just really encouraging us and me to do you know whatever i wanted to do and, and become whatever um, i wanted to so um you know i think that's true for a lot of people that the love and support from their parents is obviously um key um the other thing i would say is is um that my mother was very like energetic and very creative and so that that i think that just stimulated me at an early age you know to be very active involved in activities involved in the community um and try to be like very creative and also practical um in terms of you know what i'm doing now finding solutions mm -hmm. um for problems that that come before me and the last mm -hmm. thing I would say that was really influential and I think so important was that my mother was always very thoughtful about other people. So family members, uh, neighbors, um, you know, other other like family, like friends that I had. And mm -hmm. so I think that's a characteristic that she helped me to, to develop is, you know, trying to trying to think about all the people that I come in contact with and try to mm. be, you know, a positive positive influence in on on the people mm. within my sphere mm, that's wonderful and and it seems like you sit with that experience that you had with your mother of her being such a big part of your life it looks like you're trying to kind of pay it forward by i think you mentioned it earlier a little bit how you now mentor some people who may want to be a judge or who want to go into that field uh that you're in tell us a little bit about that how do you how do you go about mentoring someone uh do they usually approach you and how does that connection establish maybe you can help some some of our listeners right now who are looking for a mentor but don't know how to go about it yeah i think i think having having one or more good mentors is so important um you know because there's no reason that people sort of would know how to navigate um, a particular system or the best way to go about trying to obtain their their goals and you know and and uh, achieve their dreams so for people who are interested in law um I've been involved in different. Um, so number one is the Federal Bar Association is a great organization because they have chapters in the in the local law schools, and um, 
and there are events specifically to um, hook up or connect law students with attorneys. So the Federal Bar Association has a mentorship program, which is well established. Another one is um, uh, uh, attorney John Koziak, whose firm is Koziak, uh, Tropin and Throckmorton, has long had a minority mentoring uh, program where they also connect uh, students with uh, attorneys and judges. So there are definitely you know, organizations out there who have established programs. Um, the other way though, that I would say is basically anyone that students come in contact with, whether it's seeing someone on a panel or going to some sort of a mixture. I, in my experience, most attorneys, most judges are really more than happy to help um, students and pay it back. Um, and so I would say, just don't be shy about, you know, if you meet an attorney or a judge, like get their contact information, follow up with an email and, you know, ask, ask to, to meet for coffee, meet for lunch, what have it, uh, what have you. But, um, but I think there are a lot of opportunities out there, people really will, willing to give back. So just try to try to find one or more mentors. And then it's great to develop that relationship over time and have somebody, you know, who, who is looking out for you. And if they see a job opportunity come up or, you know, an opportunity to serve in a leadership position in an organization that they might shoot you an email and, you know, just say, just FYI, I thought of you when I saw this, um, something like that, because that can be really important just in, in terms of kind of staying in the loop with, with your professional community. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And so many of our listeners are in that position, like Anthony mentioned, either fresh out of college, still in college, maybe they're just entering the workforce and they're kind of looking and scouting to see who can they really, you know, model after and who can they look after. And like you mentioned, there's so many resources available to us that it's as simple as a Google search, maybe, you know, just typing in networking events or, you know, certain committees or organizations or LBA, certain things that you can be a part of that are free, that are in your hometown that you can go and be a part of. And you said something really interesting, Judge, and I wanted to kind of touch on is that a lot of times people, whether in a position of leadership like yourself or, you know, someone at, you know, a company that you might want to work for, if you even shoot them an email, give them a call, they're more than likely, you know, willing to, to give up some information and, and really help you and, and kind of even show you some things that they've done before. And I've, I've done that myself and people are like, oh, are, are you sure? Do you think they'll really answer? I think I've over COVID specifically when we were really like kind of like locked down, we really couldn't do much. I think I, I emailed and, and DM'd maybe 50, over 50 people that I kind of look up to. And I would say more than half of them responded. And we had a conversation and they kind of just gave me some advice on what they were doing in their in their business, in their company. And I really, really um, was encouraged by it. So one of my teachers from middle school, and I'll never forget this, if, if you don't ask, you said that if you don't ask, they don't tell. And I think that's so important to to model after is that if you don't just simply ask the question, a lot of people won't be willing to give up the the uh, the information. But the only step is just to ask that question. So I think that's so good. Um, but talking about leadership and in and, and this topic, I wanted to ask you, you know, you being a judge, I'm sure you interact, like you said, with a lot of leaders and different people in, in leadership positions. What is one of the biggest challenges you see um, today's leaders, whether it's in Miami, hyper local here in 305 or from a general uh, standpoint, you know, in the U.S.? What is what is the biggest challenge that leaders are facing today in 2022? 
So I think one of the biggest challenges which we've seen a lot um, lately is just the challenge of building consensus and um, and really achieving results, right? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of rhetoric um, and there you know there's a lot of um, division in our society and in our country. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenges as a leader. How can you how can you really set out to achieve goals and how do you get other people on board? You know, both other leaders that you may need to work with, you know, whether it's on a city council, on a board, in Congress. And then, um, you know, how, how do you get people because in this day and age, a lot of us, you know, we're in like silos, right, or echo chambers where we talk to a lot of people who maybe have the same perspectives, but um, but it can make it harder to kind of compromise and to work with other people. And maybe you're not going to agree 100% with them, but you can agree enough on a certain goal to reach that goal that, you know, many people might want. So I think, I think that's a big challenge is finding a way to work with other people to achieve kind of a common goal. So... Judge, what do you what do you think the solution is? How can uh, young leaders today have that dialogue without being confrontational about it? Because I know we, you know, the hot button issues of the day are happen to be some of the more important ones, right? Talking about politics, that politics is important. It's part of our daily life. But a lot of people, I feel, especially in you know my age, twenty year old young young folks, they they stay away from those kinds of conversations because they've seen on the news and. And probably from experience that there's, you know, there's clashes when that conversation comes up. So what kind of solutions might you propose for us to have those difficult conversations so that we can, although have different viewpoints and that's okay, come to the table together to get things done? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's a good question is how, you know, how for the next generation will, you know, will, will this be, will this be approached and what? You know what what would the solution be so i think um you know i think there are a lot of young leaders who, who who are doing things like for example like your podcast i mean this is a good way for people to come together you know share ideas and and to at least start a conversation um so you know i i'm optimistic because i see you know i see a lot of <clears throat> people who are doing a lot of good things and and i see it even in the courtroom you know you have you have the classic adversarial system where you have the prosecutors on one side and they have you know a lot of power a lot of discretion and they have the responsibility of enforcing our state's criminal laws then on the other side you have the defense attorneys whether it's the public defender or private attorneys who have the responsibility to zealously advocate and and represent the interests of their clients so you know there's there's real like tension and opposition there and so both sides have to have to be open to at least hearing from the other side so like for the prosecutor be open to hearing from the defense attorney why the defendant you know why why there's some kind of mitigating circumstances that should lead the prosecutor to maybe offer a lower punishment than he or she would offer otherwise and on the defense side, to be open to listening to what concerns the prosecutor has, uh, particularly about protecting the community, um, you know, from a particular defendant. Um, and so, you know, sometimes things get a little heated in the courtroom, but 
but I do see with with young attorneys um, that they do work together and and uh, and I'm very fortunate that the attorneys in my courtroom are very professional and collegial. And so, you know, I try to do everything I can to encourage that. And I think more widely in society, I think the more that we all can just encourage open dialogue with respect, um, that that goes a long way towards towards solving problems. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, again, it fits so clearly into the current climate that we're, we're dealing with that. Like Anthony mentioned, if politics is a topic of conversation, you know, someone usually leaves that conversation upset or angry. Um, and unfortunately, that's the case right now. But I think it's important, you know, to to really focus on who you're listening to um, and, and, you know, where you're getting information from. And like you mentioned, Judge, I feel like everyone is entitled and right to to have a say, to have an opinion. Um, and sometimes it's OK to agree to disagree. Right. But uh, I think like going back to leadership and, and the people that we look up to, and especially now with social media being such a, an influential platform that people have, I've seen people in positions of leadership that they might not be mature enough to have that, uh, that voice or that uh, position at that point. And I've even, I've even heard a, a quote before that it says something along the lines of, you know, the, the right thing at the wrong time might be, you know, a disaster, right? What waiting to happen. So there's no doubt that there are some people that are, are sought out to be leaders and they're going to be very influential in their communities. But I think that sometimes they lack the leadership from others and the advice from others. Um, but with that being said, what advice would you give to a young person, you know, going into his or her first uh, position of leadership and what can they expect um, from being at that point? So I would... Um I would recommend and, and suggest to somebody going into a first leadership role to just remember humility um, because you know sometimes sometimes if somebody reaches a leadership position maybe through a contested election, you know sometimes they can they can feel very like full of themselves, I guess um, you know and so and a sense of accomplishment is certainly like deserved when you reach a leadership position, but but I think it's important, you know, to definitely respect others, um, to listen to others, um, and don't be afraid to admit what you don't know, because I think you know a lot. Most people can kind of sense um, when you don't know, or if you're just kind of bluffing. And I think people tend not to respect that, but they do respect someone who admits, you know, what he or she doesn't know because it shows humility and also shows um, a desire to learn and to improve. So I think when you become a new leader and you show respect to other people, you listen to other people, you admit what you don't know, that helps build others' respect for you. And as a leader, it's so important to have the respect of the people you're leading because mm. because really your success as a leader um you know it's based on the results you achieve but also the people that you have supporting you and that you bring along with you because for so for so much of what leaders do you need buy-in from other people yeah. and you need their cooperation and you need them to say go implement the things that that you want to get done so the more the more respect you have 
from the people you're leading, the better um, you're going to be as a leader. So that mm. would be my my advice. So well said. That That's a, a mic drop moment right there uh, because everything <laughs> you said is just so, so great. And that's why so many people, I believe, uh, respect you and look up to, you know, Gabe and I are one of those people that, that admire your work and, and you're a leader in our community. And, and we appreciate the good work that you do. And it comes with you being humble and um, not demanding the respect from people, but you, you earned it. You earned that respect. And I think that's a very, um, that's a topic I feel not a lot of people talk about that leaders really need to earn the respect from um, their subordinates or the people they serve, because without that, you know, people aren't going to follow someone they don't respect. So very well said. And as we wrap up here, I just have one last question. Um, and that is, how do you ensure as a leader yourself, Judge Watson, how do you ensure that you continue to grow as a leader? You know, uh, my dad would always tell me when I was younger to never settle. You know, once you reach a certain level of success or you get a position or a title uh, to not just stay there and be satisfied. I think that's a word. Satisfied is, is very dangerous as a leader. You should never be satisfied is what I was taught, at least. How do you continue to grow and develop as a leader as far as next steps that you have uh, for your personal life and maybe career wise as well? Yeah, that's great advice um, that your dad gave you, because that that is so important to always, you know, always grow and develop as a leader um, because there's there's all there are always things that can be done better there's always more that we can can learn and and know to make you know to, to allow us to continue to lead and uh, and the best leaders do that because otherwise you're just going to remain stagnant and at a, per, a certain point kind of things are going to move you know be by you pass you by and then you're not going to really you know, at a certain point, you won't be seen as a leader anymore by by the people that you know you're trying to lead. So it's so so important. What the ways that I um, continue to grow and develop are first of all like exposing myself to other leaders. So um, you know, attending events where other judges are speakers, uh, lawyers are speakers, elected officials are speakers. To always be learning from other people because, of course. You know, we have leaders in so many different spheres and different organizations, right? So everyone's going to ha have different experiences. And so I, I really enjoy learning from the experiences and the lessons that other people um, can share. And then just talking, you know, talking um, with other people, whether it's my judicial colleagues, whether it's, um, you know, when I'm out, when I'm out um, in the community, talking with business leaders, talking with, you know, people who work in healthcare, political leaders, whatever it might be, just sort of watching, listening, talking, and always trying to, to learn from experiences other people have had. Absolutely. I, I, I heard recently from one of my mentors, and he told me that there's only two ways uh, of learning. And those two ways are either you're going to make those mistakes yourself, or you're going to learn from the mistakes of other people have already made right and i think that's right. exactly what you're what you're talking about now and you know us as young people especially we have the opportunity to learn from others and, and seek out that mentorship from people and you know leadership like you mentioned it's it's about serving those uh around you right people a lot of times think that if you're in a position of leadership that you're on some high top mountain that everyone looks uh, you know, up at you and you gotta make these big decisions. Yes, you know, you, you do have to make big, big decisions at some point, but a lot of the time it's making sure that those people around you, uh, uh, you know, respect you and, and, you know, trust you and 
just feel safe around you. And I think that you're you're definitely demonstrating that in in your industry and everything that you're doing. Like Anthony mentioned, you know, you're so respected in in all realms of, of Miami here, especially in this town, which is so so you know saturated with different people that you know may do the right thing and may not do the right thing so you're such a, a good example of that um and we appreciate you taking the time and, and speaking to our audience especially um you know a, a about that but uh before we go i want to ask you where can our listeners find you uh on linkedin maybe where can they reach out to you if they have any questions um and uh where can they where can the people find you sure yeah the easiest would, way would be if you just google judge robert watson miami um i have my contact information on the official court uh website has email address um a telephone number um and uh if you look on 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 linkedin uh you'll find me on linkedin uh robert watson on instagram on uh facebook um, and i also have so people might not know but uh state court judges in florida are elected so i'm actually currently campaigning so uh they'll find campaign information googling that um as well but we have the campaign has all all the social media so if they'd be interested in following kind of the campaign as it progresses um they can look for that too online wonderful and judge what is the uh the website again so people can go to go to it uh your campaign website Oh, the campaign website is Robert Watson, the number four, judge.com. So Robert Watson for judge.com. Perfect. And we'll put in the show notes. So if anybody listening wants to go click, uh, check it out, we'll, we'll link it up right here. Again, Judge Watson, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck in your campaign. We see you doing the good work uh, and we're cheering you on. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been really great talking with you. What's up, Mindset fam, and thank you for listening to today's episode of the Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to send this to your friends, your families, any leaders in your life, maybe someone that is looking to be in a leadership position that can definitely benefit from this episode. And without further ado, please be sure to check out our next Mindset event, April 14th, 630. All the information is in our social media. Please be sure to reach out rsvp via the eventbrite link and we can't wait to see you there have a great day mindset out